You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Wednesday, November 9th, 2022. I am Dave Biddle. Very happy to be joined by Matt Baxendale. All right, the uh, the second iteration of the 2022 college football playoff rankings came out last night. Bax, no surprise, Ohio State stays number two. Uh, for those that are watching on YouTube, you can see the ticker down there. Um, Buckeyes, number two. Obviously, no surprise, Georgia, number one. Ohio State, number two. Michigan, number three, TCU, number four, Tennessee, number five, Oregon, number six, LSU, number seven, USC, number eight, Bama, nine, Clemson, ten. By the way, how great is it that Bama and Clemson lost on the same day? Uh, But I digress. Uh, Your thoughts on the Buckeyes being number two? What does it mean for Ohio State? And any surprises from the CFP rankings being released last night, Bax? The only surprise that I have is that Clemson's still 10. They didn't look anywhere close to 10. you know, Ohio State being second, it is what it is. We all understand what's at stake against Michigan. That is the game that's going to decide the season at this point. Uh, and in many ways, it's going to be a legacy-defining win or loss for Ryan Day. I mean, we're at that point where this is, you know, they're back to big boy mode, and we are trying to be the big boy mode, and we lost one last year. And that's the first time that Ohio State's lost that game in a decade. So maybe we ought to, you know, I don't know, win it this year. So we all know what that was at stake with that particular game. I think Georgia being number one is the least surprising affair here. Look, they're the SEC front runners. They're the national champs. They're undefeated, and they just beat the previous number one team. We all knew the winner of Georgia-Tennessee was going to be number one. And smacked them, too. It was, a, yeah. you know, right in the face. And, you know, they didn't have the same weather conditions we did. They'll whine about being wet out there, and that's fine. But it wasn't 40-mile-an-hour wind in your face throwing the ball. Good luck with that. Um but the the rest of it, look, TCU being fourth, what's saying here, what the committee is saying is if TCU wins out, they are in. That is that simple. And it's easy to put the four undefeated to the top, sure. But they're making it very crystal clear to TCU, here's your pass, win out. So if that happens, cool. And then the real question is going to be what happens at five. I mean, LSU is obviously going to have a monster say in this. Is Tennessee still in the mix, right? I don't know. So it's going to be very interesting to see what happens throughout this whole process because Tennessee can't do anything else to improve themselves. But what happens if LSU wins the SEC championship? Does it knock Georgia down or out? What happens if the Pac-12 winner, which nobody's talking about this one, there are four teams in the Pac-12 with one loss. Four. 
You're going to tell me a one-loss USC or UCLA is not going to have a real argument to get in, certainly over a non-conference champion? It's going to be interesting. But from an Ohio State perspective, just win, baby. you got to beat Michigan. That is it. There's four games left to get to the playoffs for Ohio State. Three of them are sort of a joke. Okay, It's Indiana, it's Maryland, and it's whoever wins the West that will not even – it'll be like last year's big, big Ten championship. Or it'll be a bludgeoning for someone. Probably Illinois, but we don't know after Illinois couldn't even beat a bad – and shorthanded Michigan State team. Where Ohio State's at, about where they deserve to be. Where Michigan's at, about where they deserve to be. So now there's the real question. Who's going to win the game? And that's all this comes down to. Always a lively day over the WAC on Tuesday. And got a chance to, as always, uh, talk to Ryan Day for, it wasn't even quite a half hour yesterday. It was 25 minutes. A little, little almost condensed version of Ryan Day yesterday. Chance to meet with Jim Knowles uh, for a few minutes after that. Um I had a chance to ask Coach Day about the running game. You know, obviously teams are stacking the box. You know, I wanted to get his thoughts on it. You know, is this one of those things where, like, you know, they're, they're stacking the box. We're doing everything we can. He said, no, absolutely not. We've got to do better. Um, I want to get your thoughts back. What's to make of Ohio State's offensive line, the running game, and what, what did you make of Coach Day's comments yesterday? So first things first, I'm going to preface this by saying, if you anybody watched this at all last year, listen to our commentary knew how loud I was screaming to get Matt Jones on the field most of the year. I hated the four tackles. I thought Matt Jones needed to be on the field as a guard, and it was a huge thing. But when you watch Matt Jones last couple weeks, that ankle injury he has badly hurt him. We're not getting pushed up the middle. Um, If you go back and you watch that Northwestern game, really the only one that consistently had a lot of push on that line was Whipler. And to me, this line is right now – rightfully having its desire to run block question. This is a, a game where OSU's offense almost didn't look like they wanted to be there in the first half. And that's a bad thing. So when people use the four-letter word about Ohio State, it's a question mark right now. And I'm not saying that that's correct or incorrect, but I'm saying it's a fair argument right now. Ohio State right now is not as well-suited as Michigan is to line up and punch the other people in the mouth. Ohio State's DNA right now is we want to chuck the ball all over the field. And the linemen, you know, against Notre Dame showed some real nasty. First game of the year. They showed up, and they had some antsy in their pantsy, and they were knocking people off the ball. We didn't see that at Northwestern. And I know there's going to be people out there who go, well, they were stacking eight and nine in the box. It makes it really difficult when they know you're going to run the ball. I get that. You have to beat the guy in front of you. You have to knock the guy in front of you back on the O-line in a running play. That's simple. We didn't have enough of that. Plain and simple. So, yeah, I think Matt Jones' ankle's hurting him. But I think across the board, this O-line, whether they'll admit it or not, wants to, wants to be pass blocking. They want to have Ohio State just tossing the ball all over the place, basketball on grass. This the O-line's DNA is going to be challenged against Michigan. That simple. Because Michigan does one thing. They want to run up and punch you in the mouth on both sides of the football. Ohio State has to be able to match that. And by the way, you know who else is going to line up and punch you in the mouth? Georgia. Georgia. So, Georgia, Tennessee showed up like, yay, we're going to throw the ball everywhere. And Georgia went, Psh! that's what happened. They just punched him right in the face. So Ohio State has to be willing. And in, in football, there always gets to a point, no matter how finesse you are, you have to be able to punch the guy in the face in front of you and beat him. Not figuratively, like literally. Not literally, but figuratively. You know what I mean? You have to beat the guy in front of you. But on defense, defense isn't a, a scheme as much as it is an attitude. You have to beat the guy in front of you. You've got to beat your man. 
You win and lose games in the trenches. And the one thing you cannot coach against is whether or not you can get a push inside on offensive line or whether the defensive line can blow up your foot. That's simple. You have to win your battle. And Ohio State right now against Michigan, the big question mark everybody's going to be looking at is who's going to win the battle in the trenches. And right now, you want to know what the number one thing that's going to decide that game is? The offensive line. There's a reason all of us are checking the weather forecast right now. Because we're hoping to God C.J. Stroud can throw the ball because deep down, Ohio State fans right now, and I hope every one of these linemen's listening, don't believe this line can push Michigan off the ball and run it down their throat. We have to see it because we haven't seen enough of it. And those numbers against Northwestern that were nice, six yards a carry, how much of that was 70 yards and two carries by C.J. Stroud? Facts are facts. They don't lie. That's where Ohio State is right now offensively. They're a juggernaut in great weather. And in 20-degree weather with 15-mile-an-hour wind in their face, that's a question mark. We know what Michigan's going to look like. We know what Ohio State looks like. I was going to save that for last, but, man, how about C.J. Stroud running that ball? Um, now, yes, finally. the same feeling that I got that he was saving – that Ryan was saving some of those plays for Michigan. He was like, we got to win the game, though. But um, I guess you could look at it – See. You could look at it as, well, now they have to plan for it. I, I would much rather, like, they think that he has no chance of running the ball and they have, and then CJ's doing that against Michigan, but I get it. But um, CJ Stroud running the ball, go backs. Finally? I mean, <laughs> I'm on the opposite side of it. Sure, you can say you wanted to hold it for Michigan. He had minus four yards on the season going into the Northwestern game. It was a reality. Every time we pretended to have a read option play, you knew Stroud wouldn't keep it, right? So everybody's crashing down on the running game. This is going to slow down some of that crash, plain and simple. How much easier is this going to make the life on those, those linemen that I was just questioning? How much easier is this going to make life on guys like Mayan Williams, Trey Henderson, right? They're not going to have that extra guy automatically crashing on them, and that's going to give them more opportunities in the running game. Mm -hmm. So, like, CJ doesn't have to be Braxton Miller. Like, we're not asking that of him. We're just, like, against Northwestern, it was almost like, I don't almost necessarily think the teams believe he's going to run anymore. There just was every time he dropped back the pass in that win, you, there was 10 yards in front of him if he wanted to. And eventually he was like, I have to. I have no other choice but to take the candy that's in front of me. Right? I'm on a diet, but here's some candy, and I can only look at some candy. And, you know, the reality is Stroud is not Justin Fields. He's not Braxton Miller, but he doesn't have to be. He's also not Cardale Jones running the ball either. So – this threat, just the threat of CJ running the ball is going to change how people prepare. And I still think Michigan's not going to believe one cent. There's still going to be a couple times where if CJ keeps it, he's got half the field to run through. So, you know, at the end of the day, this vastly changes how your running game works. Because, I mean, with, what did Coach Meyer always talk about? The reason you love the running quarterback was because he gave him a numbers disadvantage or put the defense at a numbers disadvantage inside the tackle. It's that simple. So, that hasn't changed, right? That math hasn't changed. CJ running the ball is a, a season-changing sort of thing to me if he's willing to keep doing it. And I guarantee you he won't against Indiana or Maryland, but against Michigan? Against Michigan, let's see. Let's go. Exactly. All right. Are you concerned? I guess are you concerned isn't right. even the right question. What's, what's your level of concern with the health of the running backs? Travion, for those that are thinking it's just load management, as I've been saying on the board, no, he has a legit foot injury. It's either turf toe or plantar fasciitis or something. He's been in a walking boot, mostly precautionary. It's not like he has a broken foot or anything. It's not like anything. He, I'm 
my guess is backs. I'm sure you would agree. He could have played last week if it was like a huge game. Um, mm-hmm. So, so you could make the argument in some respects, it's precautionary, but it's not like, oh, they're just holding, he's completely healthy or 95% healthy and they're holding him out. Like, no, he has a legit foot injury. Mayan's out there playing banged up as heck. Uh, credit to him. Um, even the, the both like walk-ons are out, you know, TC Caffey and, and Caden Saunders. Um, Dallin Hayden didn't play this last game. Chip Traynham um, didn't play. Um, now, Chip Traynham's healthy. Dallin Hayden, I don't know what's going on with that. How concerned are you? What's your level of concern, one through 10? Health of the running backs with Travion Henderson, Mayan Williams, especially. Um, turned up to 11, actually. Woo! Um, damn. This one's turned up to 11. You know what I want to see against Indiana? I want to see Chip Trainum get 15 carries. I don't want to see Mayan Williams warrioring it in the storm like he did. You could see he wasn't healthy. This is a guy who, like, we just talked about this a couple weeks ago, how he's the angriest runner we've seen in a decade at Ohio State, right? And there were times against Northwestern you could see where it's like, I can go forward for five yards and run a dude over, or, nah, I'm going to jump it outside. Look, he fought through a lot. He was clearly hurt. I want to see Trainum and Hayden as much as possible against Indiana. Like, as much as possible. Now, it doesn't help that the forecast is for, like, 40-degree weather, and we're going to have to run the ball a bunch. But That'll feel like tropical weather compared to last week, but, uh, yeah. yeah. There won't be wind in our face. But, dude, Tim Trainum was a good running back in the Pac-12, too, by the way. Like, if you go back and look at his stats, he was a good tailback for Arizona State. Right. So, like, I want to see him and Hayden this whole weekend. And then against Maryland, try to run them or throw the ball all over Maryland because they can't play defense. One of the two. Like, I don't want to see hardly any of Mayan and Trey until the Michigan game. That's the only game we need them theoretically until the playoffs. And they are clearly our two best runners. So get them healthy. Plain and simple. Like, this is just like with Jackson Smith and Jigba, what I was saying before the Iowa game. Why the hell would we play him? They don't need him. Keep him on the shelf until you know he's good. Mm-hmm. Same for Mayan and Trey. Put him on the shelf until you know they're good. You're going to win the next two games. Period. Then bring them out for Michigan when we really need All right, D-line rotation, let's talk about it. They've got 10 legit D-linemen, I get it. But, you know, how? I mean, how does, like, the back seven philosophy not mesh with the – like? and they, they say it does mesh. We play our best players in the back seven, you know. That, that's why they play so many snaps. But in the in front four, you know, we, we got to, like, like, rotate, like, a bunch of guys, get everybody in there. It's like – Listen, and I'm okay with like rotating a little bit, but I want the best guys playing against Michigan, like as many snaps as possible. Now, if they can't do it because of like they're getting too gassed, that's different. I feel, and I I know I kind of feel stupid like criticizing LJ, one of the best uh, D line coaches ever. But why not? Why not play your best guys as much as possible, Bax? You remember when against Northwestern, it was fourteen to seven, Northwestern had the ball inside their own ten, like their three yard line. We had our backup D-line on the field. Pardon my French, but what the bleep? Like, that's insane. And the first carry, what happened? That Hall guy carried Javante Jean-Baptiste on his back for, like, seven yards. Like, it was literally like a piggyback run, you know? I'm sorry, if that's JTT or Harrison, that guy's down on the one-yard line. And then, like, you could see on the course. I wrote about this in the bucket. This vividly stands out. Because you watch that drive go. And we left the backups in for a couple more plays and didn't go well. Right, and they were running right at Gene Baptiste, who's not big enough to hold that point. Um, the boarding, the boarding house had a really good point on him. He is in many ways like Baron Browning, where you need to put him in an outside linebacker, run downhill at the QB kind of role. He's not a hold your spot against the run D end in my mind at all. And 
the reality is if you have a first string line that's damaging and as effective as OSU's first string line was, uh, why the hell are they not on the field more? I mean, look, we've all questioned Zach Harrison numerous times in the last couple of years, but right now he's playing the best football of his career. JTT just had the best defensive game that I've ever seen from an Ohio State player in, in the last 20 years. I mean, I don't maybe Spielman in the 80s with one of those 38 tackle games was better, but that JTT game at Penn State's an all-time. Why are they not in the field in key plays? Like, I literally put in the bucket my live thing. I literally said, oh, my God, if we don't score on this drive, this backup D-line thing might cost us. Play your best guy. You have to play your best guys against Michigan. We have to have JTT and Harrison on the field the whole time. I never thought I'd be just, like, banging the table to see more of Zach Harrison, but that's where we're at right now. <laughs> He's playing that well. Like, call a spade a spade, right? Like, I, I don't lie about what I see, ever. Harrison at times looked like Tarzan and played like Jane. Not anymore. He's playing like Tarzan, and he deserves all the credit in the world. He's this giant wingspan dude coming down on you like a house of fire. Keep him on the field. JTT, keep him on the field. And maybe this is loading in. Maybe LJ's looking at us and goes, thinking, guys, what the hell? You know I'm going to do this against Michigan. Got to get him all there healthy. I don't want him to turn an ankle against Northwestern on a crappy field. Maybe. Maybe. But when we get to the game, I want the guys who are playing the best on the field the whole freaking time because they'll punch Michigan back. Our D-line right now, when I was talking about that toughness earlier concerned about in the trenches, I don't have to worry about our D-line right now. I don't. They've shown up, man. But we got to have the best group out there as much as possible. This rotation thing, let them keep their gas until the game, and then they need to go. Put the best guys on. Whoever's playing the best, get them on the field, keep them on the field, period. Speaking of the game, let's close the show talking about the game. 18 days and counting. You're going to be proud of our young people in the classroom, in the community, and most especially in 18 days on the football field in Columbus, Ohio. Oh, boy, I cannot wait. Okay, your confidence level. Mine has – I went from like, oh, the, the Michigan's going to just get destroyed. I still am very confident. But I'll, I, I'll admit I went from like, you know – this Michigan has no chance to like, oh, they're better than I thought, you know, um, but I'm still very confident. 18 days. I cannot wait. Your thoughts on this game. How confident are you? Not as confident as I was in August. Right. Yeah. Um, but how confident? Here's my big question. My confidence is 100% based on that forecast right now. Because we can throw the ball. Michigan's defense has never seen anybody who can throw like Ohio State this year. They'll throw the ball all over the field on them, and Michigan won't be able to keep up because their offense can't throw the ball downfield. They're going to want to line up and punch you in the mouth, and our defense has shown this year enough that they're capable of handling it. But if it's 34 degrees and it's 25-mile-an-hour wind in the face of our quarterback and this turns into a slop fest, uh, I'm a little more worried. I'm confident that Ohio State's going to win, but if I was 100% in August thing, these guys are going to get clapped so hard. I'm more of like a 65% right now because – A, they're better than I thought they were. I thought their initial schedule was a joke, and they'd be revealed as the paper tiger that they are. And candidly, who have they played at this point other than Penn State that's actually decent? So, like, that's probably a fair assessment here. Um, They literally had the worst schedule in the country. They were losing this last week at halftime at Rutgers. Maryland should have beaten them. So maybe I'm giving them too much credit. But, damn it, this is the game. I remember being nervous going into the game in 2008 when Rich Rod was their quarterback, and they had Nick Sheridan a walk-on starting in the horseshoe. And Ohio State beat the bejesus out of them in that game. Um, Rich so Rod yeah. being their quarterback was was awesome. No, I know what you mean. Rich Rod was their head coach, and Nick Sheridan was their quarterback. Either way, they, 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 it was terrible. 
for them. Yeah, this I know is how nervous I am. I'm just saying they're the wrong position. You know, like, yeah, Jim Harbaugh's going to line up under center this game. But this thing, you always have to take this game serious. We always do. And last year, maybe it was finally for once taken for granted. This is the biggest rivalry in college football. The Iron Bowl can kiss my butt. This thing's been around for over 100 years. This game is between two of the top three teams in the country. Plain and simple, this is the most important game. This is a legacy-defining game for Ryan Day, for C.J. Stroud, for all these guys in this team. Because nobody wants to be the first guy to lose back-to-back uh, games in the game since the Cooper era. That's exactly right. He's the people's champ. He's Matt Baxendale. You can catch his award-winning column every Sunday. It is the bucket. Thank you very much to Bax. Thanks to all of you. We appreciate it very much. Thank you very much for tuning in. Thanks again to Bax. Thanks to all of you. Hope everyone has a great rest of your day.